This is a Soulfire production. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the show. Last week, I sat down with my best friend, Connor, as you know. This week, I sat down with his partner and my other friend, Kelly. It took a long time for us to say that, though. It took a long time for Kelly and I to introduce one another as each other's friends. And the reason being is because there's this whole idea that men and women can't be friends. So naturally, Kelly and I dive into the super uncomfortable conversation of how her partner can be my best friend and how she's learned to balance that. Kelly is the most raw, most real, most vulnerable, empowering woman I have ever met. If you are not already following Kelly on Instagram, do it. She is full of wisdom and just hits you with reality and hits you with knowledge bombs just like today's show does. We dive in to a whole lot of things. We talk about sharing insecurities and honoring the desire for freedom in partnership. We talk about what it was like for her and I to establish a mutual respect with one another. We talk about taking personal responsibility for your belief systems and healing self-worth wounds through the triggering of partners. So holy smokes do we go there today, you guys. If you have not already, please head over to Apple Podcasts and give the show a five-star rating and review. It helps me continue to have these empowering, incredible conversations like the one I had today with Kelly. I'll link everything in the show notes, how to get a hold of Kelly, where you can listen to her show, where you can listen to hers and Connor's show, OK Babe, and more. So without further ado, enjoy the show. What's up? Welcome to my home. I know. I come to your home, your recruiting recording studio. Recruiting. Recruiting. Well, recruited too. Yeah. Somehow made it onto Soulfire Podcast <laughs> Network. This is so fun. I feel like it's been a long time coming. I know. I was ready to be on the other side of the seat though, mm-hmm. instead of this, but mm-hmm. I'm here for it. You're in charge. So I guess a little bit of backstory first. I met you because of my best friend, Connor, who mm-hmm. is your partner. Mm-hmm. And I kind of just wanted to start there. Like I, you and I talked a little bit before the show about how we have been able to maintain, not even maintain, but create a friendship out of this and mm-hmm. kind of what that looked like. And so I kind of want to get your take on it. Yeah. I mean, God, what a, what an experience we went through. <laughs> so I think for me, like, I really just never believed that men and women women could be friends. And I think a lot of that was cultivated in all of my friendships with men, who every single guy ended up falling in love with me. And I mean, can't blame them, but, <laughs> thanks. you know. But it was like, even from high school through college and afterwards, it was like every single guy I was friends, friends with eventually came to me and was like, so I need to tell you something. And I'm like, you've got to be fucking kidding me. And it would, then I would feel like, okay, maybe I should try it. I love this person. They're amazing. They're my best friend. And then we'd have sex or try something. And it was just so awkward. And then it ruined the friendship every single time. And I'm just like, at some point I realized one person at some point has feelings. 
That's right. kind of what my take has been. And I still kind of stick with that. I think you are an exception and I'll get to that in a minute. Um, <laughs> but I think at some point, like either the guy or the girl, or, you know, if you're not in a heteronormative relationship, someone in the relationship with a friend will have feelings. And it's not that you necessarily act on them or that they're like super inappropriate. Cause of course, like we're all attracted to that people all the time, but I just was like, how do you have friends who are girls? Like, how do you do that, Connor? And he has a lot. And he does have a lot. And there's a lot that goes into why he does. But he's an incredibly flirtatious person. He's incredibly free-spirited and doesn't like to be told what to do. Mm -hmm. And is a dick. Like, he's just a dick. And so I think all of those characteristics together were not a winning combination for you and me. So when he first told me about you, I mean, it was like early on in us dating. You guys hadn't even been friends for like six months yet. Right. And I was in Hawaii and he was going to a wedding with you. And I didn't even think twice about him going with you because like he and I were on such a in such a great place on the same page. I was like, oh, cool. But he didn't tell me that you guys slept in the same bed mm -hmm. on that trip. But I didn't ever think to ask that. Mm -hmm. And so as we continued our relationship. You came up more and more. Him being friends with other girls came up more and more. And I, at the time, was still so insecure. And I still was so set in my belief that men and women can't be friends that I started getting really triggered and started seeing a lot of red flags. Mm. And I think that the insecurities were, you're going to leave me for this person. She's really cute. Um, you know, you're so flirty, like, can you be trusted? All this stuff. And I think as I learned more about your guys's friendship, I learned more about you. And I'm like, this girl's really attractive. You guys like seem to be interested in people like the other person. Mm. Like I could totally see you dating her. This is just getting weird. And then we all came to Denver Garth Brooks. Garth Brooks. The best night ever. Together. Oh my God. And fun, fun little side story about that. We tried to get an Uber. Oh my God. <laughs> and couldn't. It if was you guys have ever boring. been to the Mile High Stadium, it is impossible to get any sort of public transportation in or out of there. Mm -hmm. It's pouring rain. I had somehow got an Uber. We were going to different places. I broke off from my group, couldn't find the Uber. And I'm sprinting through the rain, soaked, and like an ethereal angel voice says here, Linz? And I turn around, and you and Connor had like suck refuge under this like overhead. I don't even know like what a, it was. Yeah, overhang Random of a building, overhang. yeah. And I was like, oh, my friends, my dry friends. Yeah. <laughs> and then you just kept going, and I was yeah. like, okay, bye. We eventually found it. Anyway. Yeah, be safe. So we all make it to Denver. Yeah, we all make it to Denver. And this was supposed to be y'all's trip. Like you guys were going to this concert. But then Connor and I started dating. So we were like, we'll all go. We'll all and then it. my girlfriend and her boyfriend lived here. So I wanted to take them. And it was like, cool, group experience, great. So we got here and I had gone off with my girlfriends in the mountains for a couple of days. Mm -hmm. And you guys were staying in the city. And Connor tells me that you're getting a hotel room. And I was like, okay, so are you sleeping in the same bed? Mm. And he was like, yeah, probably. And I was like, what about this? Do you not fucking understand? Like, this is a hard boundary for me. 
Like, I don't even know this girl. Like, we barely right. knew each other at all. All I know is there's some hot blonde chick in bed with my boyfriend, and he doesn't think that it's a problem. I'm like, this is so inappropriate. What do you not understand? Mm-hmm. And we were in a fight, like, the whole time we were all here. And it was so shitty. And I was so angry. And I wasn't even really angry at you. I was like, he, I felt, was acting super immature and did not handle it well. And didn't put himself in my shoes because the second I brought up, how would you feel if I was in bed with a guy friend who was really attractive, he would get like really tight and anxious. Mm. And I'm like, yeah, exactly, bro. Like put yourself in my shoes. This isn't okay. And so I felt like our relationship, you and me was super strained because of that immediately. Yeah. And that sucked. And it was like months and months and months. Of me just like, I don't know what to do. How do I trust him? I questioned him and his intentions with so many people. And he and I had so many conversations about it. And what I realized about Connor is that he's super free spirited. And he just doesn't think through scenarios the way I would. Mm -hmm. And he's also like very clear on what his boundaries are and that he's not interested in having sex with you. So to him, it's like, well, it's not a big deal. It's Lindsay. Like she's basically my sister, but I look at you and I'm like, yeah, I don't see that. So, and she's not your sister. sister and you've known her for six months. Like, right. This is not okay. And so we just had to like go back and forth and share insecurities and share like our desires for freedom and the space to like have girlfriends or guy friends or whatever that was. And it was so hard. And it wasn't until I think you came out for my event in Mm -hmm. October Mm -hmm. that you and I just had a conversation. I remember we were like sitting on the couch afterwards drinking wine and we just had a talk. And it was like, there was like such a moment of understanding. And I feel like we bonded at that moment. And then I think after that, like you have basically become my therapist. I would like, I told Connor, I'm like, yo bro, you should thank Lindsay because she's the only reason we're together, <laughs> which is hysterical. Cause I thought you were going to be what tore us apart. Right. And now I'm like, every time I have a panic attack or think something's wrong with us, I'm like, Oh, like, call Lindsay. She'll understand. Like she understands Connor's brain. So that's like a really long story. But I think that the amazing point is one, having conversations around trust and like expectations and relationships is super important. I had never done that in past relationships. So this Mm. was the first time where there was actual conversations. There was actual like dialogue and needs expressed rather than just being angry and jealous all the time. Because now like if you guys went and slept in a bed together, like, no, I don't think that's necessary, but I wouldn't even second guess it. You're sleeping in our house all week. Like you guys talk all the time and I think it's awesome. Like you went to a wedding together. He flew and met you to go to a wedding together. And I was like, please go. Yeah, And he didn't even think I I would let him go. And I was like, it's Lindsay, please go. So it's just interesting. And I also, I credit you because of the person that you are and the respect that you have for the relationship and me. And you did such a great job of like reaching out and really trying. And I credit you with so much for that because I wasn't doing that. I was like, oh my God, I don't want to deal with this. And you just like continue to be so kind and warm. And I feel like you understood my perspective because totally. you, you're a girl and you were like, oh yeah, this would suck. Connor, stop sucking. Yeah. <laughs> and that, you know, I think that you, a, a big thing you brought up there was the openness and conversation you're willing to have. Cause I think that, 
you know, you can talk about this in so many different ways. And you've talked about it a lot on your show of, of the conversations that you've had to have surrounding tons of things. And it's come down to a mutual respect, not only between partners, but between whoever that other person is or whatever the sense of conflict is, because, you know, as humans, we're programmed to move away from discomfort and nothing about those conversations are comfortable. Mm -mm. Not a single thing. So you said that with your relationship with Connor, it was the first time you were kind of willing to step into that Mm -hmm. or willing to meet that conversation. What kind of started that shift? I think being with him in a lot of ways, I mean, you know better than anyone. He's so challenging and he really asks everyone in his life to like push boundaries and like go to their edge. And I had never had anyone like that. I had always been in control and like Mm. the one in charge and I've never been broken up with. I walk all over people, not like really, but I have that kind of power in the relationship. Like it's my way or the highway. And being with Connor really opened my eyes up to that to take personal responsibility for those actions and the, my like, belief system about how I operated in the world. And I think he also, he's such a mirror for me. We have a lot of similar core wounding. And so we're like perfect mirrors and triggers for one another. Mm. And I think Connor brought forward to me that there's another way to be and that it's not about right or wrong and it doesn't have to look that way. And I don't have to be a way for him, but what if, Like, why not? Why can't I lean into that? Why can't I just get curious about what if I responded differently to this? Mm -hmm. What would that look like for me, for my relationship, for the other person? And I think that I, I've never cared about someone the way I do Connor or respected them. And I will, I mean, I'm sure I'll do it again, but like, I'll call him a dick all day, but he's like the best person and I love him so much. And I would literally do anything for him. Um, he just happens to have an interesting personality <laughs> that we deal with. Um, and I think that I, I wanted to honor where he was. I wanted to really hear him. I never really listened to people in mm. relationships. I was the one talking. And I really wanted to hear him. And what I was hearing is that he wanted the freedom to have the friendships that mattered to him. And I also noticed he doesn't have a lot of friends He's not like, that's not like a natural ability or thing for him where he's just like constantly seeking out friends and hanging out with people. And he's, he's outgoing, but just the way he is intimate with people is different. And so I saw him so desiring that intimacy with you. And I'm like, I really want to honor that. And I think it's really important for him. And so that was part of it. And I think the other part was I started to learn about insecurities what is it that was coming up that I needed to see? Like, why was I so insecure? And so all of my self-worth and um, everything that I thought about myself, like, will this person leave me? Am I good enough? Like all of that was coming up a lot and it asked me to work through it. And so I think that in me working through all of that, being okay with you guys and him with other friends too, Um, it allowed me to heal a lot of my wounding and my belief systems and my patterns of response in those scenarios. And what I was able to see is that there was this whole world of freedom and self-love and awareness that I had never tapped into. And so in me finding that within myself, it was so much easier for me to just let him go and not feel this need to control him and think that he's cheating on me and all of these things, because 
rather than worse going to worst case scenario, I was like, I am good within. He can go do whatever. If he chooses to be a dick and cheat on me, like that's his choice. That's not a reflection of me. Yeah. So there was like a lot of things that I learned and that came up where I was just like, you need to look at this. Yeah. I, uh, it's funny cause I've recently started dating someone. Didn't expect to say that on the podcast at all, but he, I should name drop him, but I won't. <laughs> We'll keep them anonymous. <laughs> Shouts anonymous. Hey. hey. <laughs> um, and he brought that up. Um, you know, we were kind of talking about men and women and friends and boundaries and this and that and the other thing. And I said, listen, like my best friend is a guy. And I watched his girlfriend go through so much. And like, I do know it's possible to like, because he, that was the question he threw at me. Like, is it possible for men and women to just be friends? And I said, I think so. Like, I truly do think so. I think that there's, like you brought up, like, can you objectively say, like, this is an attractive person? Yes. But there's a difference between, like, desire or, like, curiosity and just, like, objectivity, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, and so I was kind of, I realized that I got, like, so venomous and I was like, he's in, you're out. Like it's a boundary. You got to figure it out, bro. And then I was like, kind of softened a little bit. And I was like, okay, that was really harsh. (laughs) But what I mean by it is it says a lot more about either my jealousy or your jealousy in this moment than it says about that friendship. Mm -hmm. And I've had, you know, I, I had one of my friends sit me down and tell me about an issue he was having with his girlfriend. And he said, you know, I finally just had to tell her like, if I was going to cheat on you, I was going to cheat on you. It had nothing to do with you. And I think that so often we can get stuck in our narrative or in our wounding or in, you know, these stories that there's something about my self-worth or something about me not worthy. If I do X, Y, and Z, this person will stay. Mm-hmm. And it's really hard to give up those reins of control when we realize we actually aren't even holding on to them. Mm-hmm. So what kind of like surrender or process like what did that look like for you kind of coming to that point um a lot of yelling <laughs> and then a lot of crying yeah it was hard last year I mean ugh, the last two years have been really hard you know people talk about the dark night of the soul I'm not that woo woo like we were talking about earlier we don't water our plants with our blood I don't talk about dark night of the soul or know <laughs> what that really means um but like when life is really shitty <laughs> That has been the last two years. It's been like as much as it's been amazing and I'm like living these dreams out, it's like both and, right? Mm -hmm. So many incredible things happening and also just feel like I have been digging through the trenches for two years in just self-discovery and awareness and being broken down and building back up and just all the emotions. And I think this was a big part of it because like I said, your relationship with him was just a representation of so many other things. Mm. And it really challenged me. And I think that it took me a good year to like really feel confident in the two of you. And because of that, I just kept going through every scenario. And what I will say and for everybody who thinks that Connor and I have sex with Lindsay, that doesn't happen. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> Just throwing that out there. Um, but it is very much like a threesome mentality. 
So me learning to process your relationship with Connor, I think actually, and I've never thought about this until right now, allowed me to process threesomes and my jealous, my jealousy and like my belief around abandonment and not being good enough. Like it was the same to me, even though you guys were not having sex, it was like a different type of intimate relationship. And so how could I sit here and watch you two bond and be close and share things that Connor and I don't share and be okay with that? And how could I also sit here and watch him kiss another girl in front of me and go down on her or her sit on his face and be okay with that? It's the same shit in my world. Maybe, you know, psychologically it's totally different, but in my world, in my body, that feels very similar. It's like I had a mentality of lack if I let this happen, that means I get less of him and that he didn't choose me. When in reality, if I really took a, st- took a step back and looked at this with perspective and like the big view, I don't want to be his everything. I don't want him to be my everything. That is a dangerous slope. And I think that's what leads to divorce. It's like, they're my best friend and we do everything together. And oh yeah, I I don't do the holidays with my family. I don't see my friends. This is amazing. And then five years later, you're like, yeah, they're divorced. Because no one has their own identity or their own lives. And so to your question of like, how did I get to this point and what the process was, it was just leaning into the discomfort and saying, this is bringing up all this stuff and I don't like it, but I need to move through it and I need to be okay with it. And I need to have perspective of what's actually happening and stop making up stories about shit that's never happened Mm -hmm. and like jumping to conclusions or projecting. We got in a fight about this the other day. I was like, you only want to have sex with me when someone else is involved. And he's like, stop fucking saying that. Like, stop projecting your shit on me. I never said that. And what's funny is he actually, in his words and in his um, efforts shows me the exact opposite. And I came down later and I told him that I'm like, I'm really sorry. It's my own insecurities. You actually have shown me that that's not the case at all. And I'm so grateful for how you treat me and that I always know that I'm number one in the priority. Um, and so I think that it just brought so much forward that I was able to see, move through, let go and acknowledge and sit in and cry about and physically move through my body. It was just like all the things for a long period of time. But I think it drastically changed me as a person, as a partner, as a dog mom, as a businesswoman, the way I walk into the world. Like I think it dramatically transformed who I was and who I am. Yeah. I, one thing that that I kind of want to circle back to you because we can't just drop three sums and, and not go back to it mm-hmm. by any means. Um, one thing, and I've heard you say it on the show, for those of you that don't know, Connor and Kelly also have a show together, um, where they've talked a lot of these, how to have threesomes, all sorts of different things. And we provide YouTube videos in case you need how to (laughs) do it. Just kidding. A paint by number. That would would be Connor's dream. (laughs) Yeah. That's called OnlyFans. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, but there was something that stuck out to me in in one of your episodes with him. And it came down to a mutual respect mm. between the parties because 
I can say too, there was a huge shift. It was that same trip that I came down and went to your event and we stuffed goodie bags and we did all these different things. And it felt like the first time that you and I like looked each other in the eye Mm -hmm. and it was like, Connor is not this like conduit that we both speak to and about one another too. It's like, no, we're going to, we are going to form our own relationship. Mm -hmm. And like Kelly said, I don't have sex with her and Connor, but it feels like my relationship with Connor is a thing. My relationship with you is a thing and our relationship friendship between all of us collectively is a thing. Mm -hmm. And sitting on the other side of this, you know, I know that there's other ladies out there or other gentlemen or, you know, whatever that, that are friends with the opposite sex or are friends with people in relationships. And we can get so stuck in like crossing our arms and stomping our feet and just like, this person's not letting me have my friend. Cause that's where I was at for a while. I was like, what the fuck? Like, I'm not, none of these things are happening. I just want my friend. And it was like, as soon as I could soften around exactly what you were saying, like, Lindsay, put yourself in her shoes. That's super uncomfortable. And like meet her where she's at. And there was, it, it felt like at the same time we came both around to this moment of like a mutual respect shared for one another. Mm-hmm. And it's funny now because Connor's like, there's so many times where Connor's completely out of the picture. Yeah. <laughs> it's just me reaching I out feel to like you. I also feel like you're here visiting me this week because I'm like planning all the things with you and I'm like, oh, oh yeah, that's your best friend. Oh yeah. <laughs> I will share fine. And it's, and that's what's so cool. And that's what feels more you know, threesome or intimate about it is that it's no longer a competition. It's no longer like this, this thing that's been put in front of us that we're both kind of like fighting and scratching tooth and nail for. And even though one was romantic and one was platonic, it was still this like weird battle or competition. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's something that so many listeners and so many people like leaning into that discomfort of like, okay, I need to have this conversation. I need to build this respect. I need to build this alliance because you're right. You had zero reason to trust me until I earned that and I showed that. So, well, I think that's why I started trusting you after my event because when Connor said, hey, Lindsay's going to come down for your event, she wants to help. And I was like, what? Like I had 150 person sold out event. It was a ginormous undertaking and it was one of the most important days of my life. And he's like, yeah, so Lindsay's going to come. She's going to stay with us and she's going to help. And I was like, something that day shifted in me. And then you came down and I watched the way you two interacted, which is the most I've had ever seen you together and staying in the same place and like operating together, all these things. And I was like, oh my God, she wants nothing to do with sex with him. Like, it's okay. And that just being able to witness you two together and see the dynamic of your relationship, as much as you're a girl, you're very much like a bro with him. Oh yeah. You know? And so I think that was part of it. And that's why I was talking about your personality. Like you're so sweet. You're so kind, but you also have that dynamic with him where I don't feel like you're trying to lure him in. It's a very different dynamic. And I saw that that weekend and I thought, okay, this is not what I thought it was. And she deserves my trust. Like she, she showed up big and I respected you so much because of that. Well, thanks. And you know, we've talked about that too. It's funny because there's times where Kelly will call me or you'll call me talking like you're not. (laughs) And you'll be like, 
Lindsay, Connor just needs to like be weird and tell poop jokes and like do all these things that are like so unattractive to you. Like there's not a point of you that like wants to hear him talk in his Roger voice for hours. And for whatever reason, that's like hysterical to me. Mm -hmm. And so there is something really beautiful about what you're saying earlier, like not being each other's everything all the time Mm -hmm. because that's exhausting. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's so true. Um, in honoring what you two bring to each other and honoring what I bring to him. I think you and I are very similar in a lot of ways, but we're definitely incredibly different people. And so it's really cool that he has these two really strong, amazing women in his life that feed different parts of his soul. And, you know, Connor is someone that didn't have a great relationship with his mom growing up. And that's like a deep core wound for him. And also, in case you don't know, he talks about all this publicly. So I'm not like throwing him <laughs> under the bus with every story I tell. Um, he's very open about this. They have an amazing relationship now. We love Robin. She's so present and incredible, but that's newly healed. And so I think for me, knowing that to watch him be with such a strong, amazing woman, and I feel like I'm that for him as well, it just feels like a very solid foundation and a beautiful kind of creation of friendship and love and support that I know is so important and I had growing up and I want him to experience that. And I, I saw the way you impacted him and how you've been such a voice of reason and support and love. And I, I love that. I want that for everyone. So who am I to say, no, you're not allowed to have that. Right. Especially a partner that you're like, what you're saying, I want you to have that. Mm -hmm. Um, it, it also speaks you know, tremendously of, of where you guys are now and, and how you've gotten to a place where like, when we were joking earlier, how like, if the day doesn't start with me being like, good morning, asshole, like good morning, dickhead, it's going to be a bad day. Mm -hmm. But it truly takes going through those difficult conversations, those hard feelings, those moments of vulnerability where you're just like, I just kind of want to like, have you hold me and cry right now? How was that to break into that raw and authentic conversation with him instead of the like steamroll or I'm going to talk, you're going to listen. It sounds like you're kind of addressing those conversations with a different tenderness or a different space. Yeah, I feel like I have been humbled immensely in the last two years. And I think that started with plant medicine at the beginning of 2019 and I feel like truths of my life started to emerge and show themselves and where I had been so rough and harsh and controlling and demanding and all the synonyms that go along with (laughs) all of those I was those um all of that was starting to come into my awareness and I have been in my masculine my whole life and I was incredibly successful. I was one of the top players in the country, full ride to USC. I worked for the Lakers and the Dodgers. Like I've been on the covers of magazines. I've done so much. I've been so successful, but I feel that the reason I did that was because I was so in my masculine and go, go, go and just so strong willed that I lost that feminine touch Mm -hmm. and Not that I would take it back or regret it because I think everything happens for a reason, but I think that I wish I could 
I wish I could go back and relive my experience with more of that feminine energy and more allowance and more flow because I just wonder what my life could have looked like because I think that I only believed I would reach that pinnacle of success or achievement if it looked that way. But what I'm finding now in running an incredibly successful company from a place of love and femininity is that you don't have to do it that way in order to achieve that massive success. And so I just wonder like how differently it could look. Um, and now I forget, what did you ask me? I'm like, <laughs> how, how, to, how you kind of embrace this new way of of oh yes softening with him and softening so all that being said I feel that I lived my whole life with this idea of this is how it had to look success conversations relationships I had to be this way and look this way and so I took that masculine aggressive energy into my relationships and I was such a fucking bitch like you can ask my brother he will call me at the c word any day because I was just such a bitch with my brother. I was a bitch to my parents. I was a bitch to people in my life. I was super like sassy and bratty. And I brought that into my relationships. I don't know how I've never been broken up with because I was such a pain in the ass. But I didn't have compassion and empathy. I only saw the world through my experience. I still have moments where I'm like, oh, everyone doesn't live like that or everyone doesn't think that or didn't do that. That's like... That's me breaking that privileged pattern. And so I brought, I've brought that change and evolution into my relationship with Connor. He will call me out if I'm being a bitch. Even today, he was annoyed at me and he's like, you need to take responsibility for this. I'm like, I know, I'm sorry. And, but I would never take responsibility and I would never be soft. It was, I had to be right and in control. And I've really come to a place where I trust Connor so much. I surrender to him so much. I want him to lead so much that I come in softer. Mm. I am willing to apologize first. I'm willing to own something first. I know that in my softening, it softens him. And we are both very intense, driven people. And so when you bring those personalities together, it can be really non-productive. Um, and so I feel that when I soften, he responds softer. If I escalate it, he escalates it. And I know that that is still a form of power, but I feel like it's from a place of love rather than control. It doesn't need to escalate. And so I think just sort of surrendering to that operating system and to that allowance has allowed us to have much more productive, loving conversations and really hear each other because when we're calm and we're compassionate, we can hear one another and then we can have empathy. But when we're escalating and it's yelling and someone's stomping upstairs or, you know, being in a door, whatever, that's not like that happens that often. But when it has happened, it just keeps getting worse and then no one hears anything. And then we're just defensive and angry. And then of course the threat of breaking up always comes up. It's like, that's not necessary. What if we're just calm and loving and allow the conversation to play out as it's meant to? It's so important. I talk about that a lot with couples and clients that I see is one of the very first questions I will ask when a couple sits down in my office is like, do you guys want to be on the same team? Mm. And nine times out of 10, they're like, yeah. I mean, obviously we're going to couples counseling. And sometimes it's like, well, she brought me here. Or he like told me I needed to do this, you know, but 
when you, it sounds like you and Connor really got to a place where you can operate from that position of like, wait, we're doing this together. We're not doing this to prove who's right or win or do any of these things. The goal is completed as a unit, Mm -hmm. not when we're yelling and banging on doors and seeing whose argument sounds, you know, the best. Yeah. And I think, I told you this yesterday, but I feel like we got to that place because our puppy died and it was such a tragic out of the blue event. And it's like, you could go either way. You could not show up for one another and see each other's true colors and be like, wow, this is, this is it. Cause now I have perspective and I realize you're not, you're not worth it. You're not my person. But the exact opposite thing happened for us. And I, I mean, I was really, really pissed at him the week before Remy died. And I got the call. Yeah. And I was like really questioning, like, what are we doing here? Like, this is not good. And we, we'd had some serious talks and we're like, is this what is meant to be or not? And then Remy died and we just collapsed together, but we collapsed together and then we chose each other. And then we chose to show up for one another. And what was incredible to me was that I've never seen someone so broken, like in pieces on the floor until Connor. And he showed up every day and asked, what do you need? What can I do for you? Do you want me to make you some tea? can I hold you? Like, what, what do you want? He, we built a sauna together because we were like, we need to use our hands. Um, we went out to the mountains and walked around and had breakfast because we just like, didn't know what else else to do, but we just kept showing up and asking the other person, what do you need? And for two people, and that was for sure rock bottom for me, for two people to be at that place and to look at the other person and be like, I'm so sorry. What can I do for you? I was like, what the fuck just happened? This is the worst thing ever. And the gift that I'm getting out of this is so magical because I know it could have gone hard the other way. And it doesn't mean that we just like got over it and we're magically better. Like we're both still struggling. But what I saw is that there were two people who in their worst, worst, worst moments still chose each other and showed up so big with so much love and compassion. It was mind boggling to me. And I thought from this day, this day forward, I, I would never question him again. And shortly thereafter, we like, we'll get like annoyed or like we'll fight and we'll bring up, maybe we're not supposed to be together. Like you're, I'm just waiting for you to break up with me. Some dumb shit. And after that, he said it in passing one day and I just looked at him and I said, we're taking that off the table. He's like, what do you mean? And I'm like, we just got through what I hope is the worst thing ever because I've never experienced pain like this. So this better never fucking happen again. Yeah. Uh, we just got through this. We can literally get through anything. There is nothing we can't get through. And he was just like, okay. And that was it. And I think that was super profound because we both have abandonment issues And so we're always like, I'm going to leave. I'm going to leave. We always want to run out the door so the other person can't leave us. Mm -hmm. 
And we just were like, we're not going to do that anymore. And from that day forward, any moment where my normal pattern was to bail or think I was going to bail, I was just like, this is your person. This is who you choose. Like, it's okay. Have compassion. And then we just have a conversation. It's over five minutes later. Yeah. Like I'm here. I yeah. choose you. You choose me. Yeah. How did it feel? Cause you and I have talked about this in the past that we both have, and probably from abandonment wounding and all of these different things, you and I both have this tremendous drive to take care of people. Mm. And so in a moment like Remy's passing, when I can only imagine putting myself in those shoes and knowing how much I would want to be giving to the other person, what was it like to also ask for your needs to be met through that? It was hard. And a couple times, like he was frustrated because he didn't know what to do. And as much as Connor's not a helper, he's definitely a fixer. And when he doesn't know how to fix something or make it better, he gets really agitated and pulls away. And so it was hard because I was asking for my needs, but also didn't know what my needs specifically were. So then I was kind of going to him feeling empty and broken, like fix it, but he didn't know how to fix it. So then it would actually push, push him away. So that was hard. Um, I also leaned on my friends a lot, so I didn't feel like I was asking him for a lot. Um, it was mostly us just holding each other or if I started crying, he would just hold me without question. It was like, we always knew why the other person was crying. So you didn't really need to talk about it. It was just like, okay, hold me now, please. Or I just need to like scream and yell and be upset. And can you just like be here with me? And so we did that, but I, I think that one of the smartest things I did and my mom died earlier this year. So I kind of had some practice with it. Um, was like asking for help and talking to other people and not making Connor my everything in my trauma and tragedy. It was like, okay, you have this entire circle of friends. You have a sisterhood call every week. I have someone like you who I call. You also understand death in a way that like was able to help me. And so I was like, call them. Don't just rely on him because if you put this all on him, you're going to pile so much on. He already has so much. And it didn't feel fair. And so I think that I did a good job of reaching out and asking for help um, and then just showing up with love for him and not and knowing that I couldn't fix it because he couldn't fix it for me. So it was like the helper fixer in me was just like make dinner, order food, like see if he needs anything. But you can't make this feel any better because you feel exactly the same way and you know what's going on. Yeah. And that there's... I think a big difference that you kind of pinned there was I hate even calling it practice with your mom's death. Right. But that is, so I tell everyone it was the appetizer to the real trauma. <laughs> That's what it felt like. I was like, Oh, this is the worst thing ever. Two months later. Just kidding. Just joking. And it's those two losses, those two grieving processes that you went through and, and are still going through are so different because one, yes, your mother was in Connor's life, but that was a big, big loss for you. Mm -hmm. And then losing Remy was collective. And I think that exactly what you talked about, the resourcing that you had is so, so, so important to be able to reach out. And especially to people that have experience with death or have experience with loss, because I remember getting the call from Connor and 
in that moment, I was like, I know that nothing I say right now is going to help. And I know that me telling you to eat is not going to make you hungry. I know that telling you to get some sleep is not going to help you sleep. So like just opening yourself to that person of like, if you want to sit here and talk about exactly this process, we can talk about it. If you just want to be in the company of someone else who knows what's going on, but don't want to say anything about it, I'm here for that too. Mm -hmm. And the way that you were able to show up for him, that he was able to show up for you and that collective understanding is, you know, we don't ever wish tragedy on anybody, but it sounds like such a beautiful thing for the two of you to have endured together. Yeah, it's crazy. I was talking to my therapist the other day, which was also a great move by me to have a therapist all year. Shout out. Yeah. (laughs) Um, I was talking to her and like beginning of August, I think I told her, I said, I want to end my relationship with Connor as it is. And she was like, why? And I said, because I feel like we're entering a new chapter and I feel like this version of us no longer suits us. And I want to write new agreements because we were completely different people when we met two years ago. And I feel like the way we want to engage in this relationship and be together and the freedom that and space we want to create and all of these different things, I didn't have the language or context for when we first met. And now I just want to come in with more intention. We kind of rode this crazy wave together when we first started dating and it was just like, go, go, go. Like, don't even question it. It's just happening. And now that things are the way they are and there's stability and we have a home together and a business together and we're talking about getting married and having kids. I'm like, I want to enter that chapter with new intention and new agreements. And So I tell her this and I said, he's going hunting for the next like two months. So at the end of that, I want to have a conversation about what terms we have come to and, and start fresh. And so then we, I, we talked about it. We agreed, like, that's a great idea. And then he left. And then within that Remy died and it was what felt like me saying we need to burn this down and start fresh. It was just like me knowing that that was happening. Yeah. Not that I like predicted it or like knew it was coming, but it was just so interesting that I felt like we had gotten to this place where it was like, this no longer works. Let's try something new and come to new agreements. And then the worst thing ever happened. And it was not even an option anymore. It was like, yes, but things are burned now. So what are you going to do about it? And it was just wild to me that that happened in that time frame. So I won't say, I don't know if I want to use the word perfect, but so perfectly in that timing of what felt like the death of one thing and the birth of something new. And then we literally went through that process and like grieved the old and let go and started fresh and made new agreements and had new priorities and like perspectives and beliefs around what we wanted our life to look like. And I just thought, oh my God, like this is exactly what I wanted. It just looked totally different than what I anticipated it was going to be. That's how the universe works. Oh, yes. <laughs> so annoying. <laughs> I, the most annoying. Um, so what were some of those new agreements? What were some of the new perspectives that you brought into it? I think that we both committed to each other on a new level. I talked a little bit about us saying we're not bailing, the breaking up is off the table. And I think that that fed into a new level of commitment. 
I felt a shift in him. And I think a lot of that was because of the way I showed up when Remy died. And he knew things were really hard for me already because I was still mourning the loss of my mom. And this year losing my mom was incredibly difficult. And so I think he saw me show up in a way that he had not anticipated I would or could and really felt the same way for me in the way he showed up. So I think the commitment level was like, we're fucking doing this. Like, there's no questioning now. There's no threats. There's no bullshit. You're my person. We're going to make babies. We're going to build this fucking amazing company together. We're going to travel the world. We're doing this. So I think that was really the biggest shift. Well, he had never uh, had that before. No. And neither had I. Like, yeah, yeah. yeah. Neither one of you had had, had someone, you know, to go back to the wounding conversation we've had, you don't know secure attachment or you don't know unconditional love until you feel it. Mm -hmm. And for so many of us, we have never felt it. And when you do feel it for the first time, it's scary. And we don't think that we can trust it. And there were a lot of times I remember in conversations you and I had had where I was like, he needs to fucking figure it out because you're the only secure thing in his life. He needs to like, he needs to turn into it. And to be able to have this moment where he also provided it for you, it seems like an undeniable question of like, exactly what you said, like bailing is off the table. Abandonment is off the table. And we both know it now because of what we just went through. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree so much. I feel like we showed each other what stability and real love is that we had never experienced before. And I think, you know, the other thing is honoring each other's space and freedom. I think we did that to an extent before, but there was this new, I think because of the feelings of a higher level of commitment, because of the compassion and empathy and, and everything we had gone through, you know, we came to this point where I could look at him and say, do whatever you want. Like, it's okay because I know you choose me. And if the day comes when you don't choose me anymore, that doesn't reflect poorly on me. And I'm just so fucking grateful that I had you for whatever amount of time I had you for. And it was like this release of ownership and stepping into true creation of space and freedom so that we could both be individual sovereign beings and hold the container for the relationship in a better way because of it. I think that was super powerful. I'm just over here with chills. <laughs> I'm like in a hoodie, jeans, <laughs> wool socks, freezing. <laughs> it's true. And it's, it's something that, like I said earlier, like you don't know it until you feel it. Mm -hmm. And I think that one of the biggest inspirations and one of my biggest gratitudes is like watching that through you guys too and having the space and kind of bringing this conversation back full circle, but to know both of you guys on such an intimate level and to see that growth and to see that love and to see what you guys are continuing to create and build together. It's like, Oh fuck. It's not just movies. Mm -hmm. Like this happens and it's really hard work. Yeah. I can't eat. I wasn't even in it. <laughs> I was just on the sideline. I mean, you were kind of in it. Let's kind, be serial. I was kind of, <laughs> I was kind of in it for parts. Um, it's funny, we, you and I joke that one day Connor will know. Like, yeah. on his wedding day, I'll be like, hey, by the way. I mean, you are the best man, so. <laughs> yep. <laughs> I'm oh, looking yeah. forward to that so, speech. Oh, man. It's going to start with this. 
is a soul fire production. <laughs> and then the speech is going to be epic. But. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's true. I think, I think that we, you know, people, cause we have okay, babe, our podcast, people think that, oh, they must have like this dreamy, perfect relationship. And then you listen to the show and you're like, wow, they're just as fucked up as the rest of us. Like we tell everything to our audience because I'm tired of looking at movies and seeing Instagram couples goals and thinking that that's reality. How is it that someone could be so in love one day and then they're getting a divorce the next day? Because life and relationships are so hard and it's never overnight, but no, we're not going to share all the intimate details because that's really difficult to admit our wrongdoings or to admit that maybe that person cheated on us and we don't feel good enough. And there's like a whole thing that goes into it. We believe in sharing that because we want people to understand what real relationships are like. And yeah, Connor and I do push the boundaries and we are monogamous and we do have threesomes and there's a lot of things going on. And so I think to be able to have really honest conversations around how do you have hard conversations? What do you do when you're watching another girl suck your boyfriend's dick? Like what happens when all your securities pop up or, you know, like how do you ask for what you want in bed or, you know, push boundaries within your relationship or take space and sleep in different beds and not feel bad about it? Like we just talk about all of it. Because I didn't have anyone teaching me this. Connor didn't have anyone teaching him it. And we really feel like cultivating a community of honesty and transparency is so important. And no, we're not couples goals, but we are honest and we love each other and we choose each other. And I feel like that's really all you can ask for. And then the rest kind of happens as it's meant to. Well, (laughs) thank you for coming to Kelly's (laughs) TED Talk. I think that that's like the greatest place to wrap this up because it's real. And that's what so much of, you know, your show, the way that you walk through life, the messaging that you put out, the messaging that Connor puts out, like there's an attractive quality to all of it, not because it's perfect, not because it's couples goals, not because it's Instagram, but because it's reality and it's true and it's real and people see that and people feel that. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's so important. So if people want to find more, if people want to check out OK Babe, if they want the real nitty gritty of relationships and Kelly and Connor, where would they find you? Yeah. So our show is OK Babe. Um, and then my show is just the Kelly show. Um, and you can find me on social media at Kelly M. Tennant. There she is. But can I just say before we wrap up, I'm okay. so fucking proud of you. Thank you. This is amazing. I have been waiting for this day when you have your show and you have all these incredible conversations. And I think what you do is so important and you're basically my therapist. So I'm just so glad that everyone else gets to experience your wisdom and your love and your heart and your curiosity. Um, And I'm just really proud of you. Okay. Well, I'm going to stop rolling now because this is me trying to learn how to take a (laughs) go. Thanks, Kel. You're welcome.